0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in the upstate of South Carolina. I am your host, as always, Stan McCune, realtor here in the Greenville area, and you can find all of my contact information in the show notes or in the show description, whatever it's called in your podcast app. If you need to reach out to me to buy a house, to list a house, to talk real estate, whatever the case may be, that is how you can reach out to me and I will respond if I receive it, assuming you don't send me an email that goes into my my spam folder or something like that. I will respond in timely manner to any communications that I get. So reach out to me for any of that. And with regard to this show, if you like the show, please just do three things for me. If you haven't already done these things, please subscribe to the show. And if you've already subscribed to it, a little trick, you can unsubscribe, you can resubscribe. That helps the algorithm. It's a little cheat code. Um... Please smash the five star rating wherever that might be on the app that you're using, and please also leave a short little review. Um, even if you if you are just like, man, I can't do all three of those things, just do one of them. Just one of them will help, and I would appreciate it. That's all I ask. I ask for you guys that you use me as your realtor and that you support the show with those uh, with the one of one or all of those three things that I just mentioned. Today um, is kind of funny because. I planned out this podcast yesterday. Um, I'm recording this on August the 2nd. Um, I, I did kind of uh, a, a little write-up yesterday as I was preparing for it. And then in the evening time, I saw a very interesting article that had just come out literally after I had written up everything that was literally uh, had tons of overlap with my podcast. Um, and so um, so I've got plenty of material here. Um, and I'm just going to kind of see where the spirit moves as far as this podcast goes. Um, but there has been the past few years, really an influx, particularly in the Greenville market, I can't speak to other markets, but there's been an influx of large investment companies buying up real estate, not for rental property purposes, we, we have have had that and we continue to have that with with big companies like American uh, Homes for Rent, companies like that. Um, and we talked a little bit about that in last week's episode of the pod. But we're seeing a lot of companies now trying to flip houses. And that has really been, I feel like that's really taken off during the pandemic, uh, which is no surprise because the pandemic period of time when home prices are appreciating, you know, 10 to 20% in some markets, even more than that per year, that is easy to flip, right? Because if you purchase a home and don't do anything to it uh, in just a year from now you can sell it maybe for 20 to 25 percent more than you bought it for that that's a pretty good investment by uh, by most metrics, right um, And so there are these large investment companies that have been uh, flipping houses even more than ever the past couple of years um, and I've been seeing them in Greenville a lot. The really the two biggest ones that I see in our area are companies called Open Door and OfferPad. Pad. Um, and then Zillow also had kind of a pilot uh, program that they did trying to flip houses, and they actually had to shutter that one. They had to close that one entirely. They had to lay off like 40% of their staff. Uh, Zillow completely failed in the house flipping game. Uh, but Open Door and Offer Pad, they're still going strong. There is an Offer Pad house for sale in my neighborhood right now. Um, I just uh, had. Uh, someone that I know that recently started talking to Open Door about potentially selling their house. And, and I've seen a lot of Open Door listings. I've shown Open Door houses. I've shown Offerpad houses. So um, they are very prevalent in our market. Now, the thing that is really funny that just came out last evening, uh, or at least I just read about it last evening. It was an article in Business Insider that, uh, that was published uh, around 5 p.m. last night. Uh, eastern time is that the federal trade commission well hold on let me back up for a second and just talk about these large investment companies what they do is they they buy up properties really anywhere in the u.s do usually they're properties that just need a light rehab or maybe no rehab at all they try to buy them with enough margin that then they can just do a little bit of work and then sell them for a markup oftentimes that markup isn't like a huge percentage i don't i don't know if they what kind of rules they're trying to follow um but in terms of of the margins that i I see i oftentimes don't see like massive margins i just think that they're buying and selling so many properties that it's more of a to scale they end up making a, a good amount of money just just because they of of how many properties total there are but i feel like you know, I I talk to local house flippers that are like, you know, the minimum they want to make on a house is fifty thousand or eighty thousand or a hundred thousand, whatever the case may be. Different people have different philosophies and different different standards. Um, I feel like open door and offer pa- offer pad will oftentimes just make fifteen twenty thousand dollars on a house, but when when you're flipping hundreds or thousands of houses per month, then those numbers add up, right? So um, that's something. Uh, that's that's kind of a short version of their model and essentially they will try to get people to to go on their website fill out a form on their website some in some cases they're sending out postcards to people saying hey your home may be worth xyz amount please go ahead and um you know submit an application and we'll start a process with uh evaluating your home value etc 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 and then ultimately they they try to purchase your home and like I said then uh, ultimately try to make some money by doing that. Um, well, interestingly, the Federal Trade Commission uh, again article that I just that was just published last night, in Business Insider, um, FTC uh, has fined Open Door sixty two million dollars, which honestly isn't a ton of money um, in when you're talking about massive investment firms, but still. $62 million is not nothing. They're finding Opendoor $62 million for quote-unquote cheating home sellers. Um, I'm just going to read this straight off of Business Insider's website. In a settlement announced on Monday, FTC said Opendoor told customers that they could make more money selling their homes uh, to it than by... Uh, there's actually an error in here, um, but I'm, I'm going to redact the error. So they it said that they would make more money selling their homes to it to Open Door than they would by selling homes traditionally. The FTC found that in fact most people who sold their homes to Open Door made less money than they would have selling to regular buyers via a real estate agent. Very interesting uh interesting data there. And then it says in 2021 Open Door which bought uh, 36,908 homes, a lot of homes, is an instant buyer or iBuyer, which buys homes directly from owners and then resells them, sometimes making small renovations to the home. The company is able to close on homes much more quickly than traditional buyers purchasing via a real estate agent. Opendoor, which reported $28 million net income in the first quarter of 2022, makes money by charging its own fee in the place of a traditional broker's fee. Um, so I'm not going to get into... The weeds on on all of that um but i do want to talk about what it is like dealing with these larger investment companies i'm i'm not going to um continue to call them by name um i i started with just giving them them as examples because like i said open door offer pad and zillow are or have been in in the greenville market traditionally um, but there are other large investment companies that are flipping houses like they are, and I'm not going to single one out. I actually, um, have to be very careful in terms of, of singling one of them out because, um, these companies also have their own brokerages, typically speaking. So open door actually has an open door brokerage, um, and, and they actually list their homes typically, um, I'm not allowed to talk bad about other brokerages, and I'm not going to do that. Anything that I say here is not about uh, on this podcast right now. I'm not talking about any brokers or any brokerages. I'm talking about the divisions of companies that are focused on uh, on acquiring and and flipping and making profit off of uh, off of the housing market. Um, so from here on out, I'm just going to refer to them as large investment companies i apologize if that gets redundant but it is what it is um so as i said before i've had clients who have both looked at homes listed by these companies and also who have entertained offers by these companies to buy their homes i've had large investment companies send me postcards saying uh your home is maybe worth xyz please go ahead and enter your information on our website and then you know our team of experts will determine the value of your home and and get you a cash a cash offer, different things like that. So what's going on with these types of businesses outside of the fact that the FTC um, has singled out one of them that that uh, believes that they should be fined? Okay, let me clarify. I don't know all the inner workings of these companies um, but because obviously I've never worked for them, but I'm going to share to the best of my knowledge what I do know about how these large investment companies work. Um, and and here's the thing is that what they what they say and what they do are not necessarily the same things. because obviously when we're marketing, you know, you there are ways of wording things that I, I don't want to say are are misleading, even though again, the F, FTC uh, has talked about some some misleading advertising. Um, but it's it's not always exactly how it sounds. You can use words to say things that sound one thing to someone else and aren't mis- uh, aren't untrue, um, but that at the same time are-, are saying something different than what it sounds like, if that makes any sense. Um, and so, as I already said, what typically happens is these large investment companies, they market to you either online or postcards or whatever, try to get you to their website, try to get you to fill out information on your home. Um, and then typically... They want you to to kind of show your home to them, whether that be by means of, of uploading photos, whether that means you kind of uh, taking a video and doing a walkthrough and kind of pointing some things out, uh, giving them kind of a virtual tour. They want to actually get inside your home without getting inside your home. Um, now, a lot of these companies, these large investment companies, they will say that they have local experts, but Everyone that I know that has ever dealt with them um, has not actually communicated with someone local. So you as the homeowner are are kind of having to do some of the work for these large investment companies to help them to assess the home. In the process, they're kind of determining how much work needs to be done to the home um, and obviously how much they think that they can sell the home for um, after the work is done, which they're not going to share with you for obvious reasons. And then they will give you an offer at that point. And um, it is true, as Business Insider said, that typically, they can uh, make an offer uh, that is quick, relatively easy, relatively painless. Um, I do think oftentimes, they give themselves a due diligence period, allowing them to back out uh, for any reason, at, you know, so that they can actually have an inspector go in there and look at the house. Um, that might vary from one large investment company to the next, um, but these companies are, are giving themselves uh, ultimately as much freedom as possible, and they're trying, to, they're trying to make money at the end of the day. Um, and so obviously, their, their model is such that, that they have to buy properties that have uh, meat on the bone. So generally speaking, offers that they make are going to be below market value. That's the only way as a house flipper that you make money is if you buy a house cheaply. And if it's a house that that isn't a fixer-upper, and and I can tell you, um, the large investment companies that I've seen typically are not buying fixer-uppers, they're buying properties that need very light work. And so typically the only way that they can do that is by buying below market value. Um, That being said, um, I don't want to just say that every time that they are buying below market value, I have seen in some instances where they have... It's not, it's not the norm. It's like maybe 10 to 15%, if that. Um, but there are some instances where they have bought properties at or maybe even above market value. Um, and at the end of the day, they're running numbers from their offices in other parts of the country. Um, some of them have local real estate agents. Like I said, they have local brokerages. But I have no idea the extent to which those agents are involved. I've tried multiple times over the years um, that I've been uh, doing this, like when I've had clients that have been interested in a home that's being sold at one of these large investment companies. And they're like, hey, can you can you ask them about this? Can you ask them about that? And I try to call the agent and I'm like rerouted to like a call center in, in uh, another country or possibly in uh, another part of the US in Phoenix or, or somewhere like that. Um and so it's it's really difficult to know like how much of of a presence locally that they have. It does not seem like it's a, a very substantial local presence. Um and so that's important because if you're just talking to someone in Phoenix, they don't know anything about the Greenville market. Um they uh you know aren't going to know for instance as they're valuing a property um that Taylor's above Wade Hampton is much different than Taylor's below Wade Hampton. Uh so those are just little things that that local professionals know that someone in another state is is just not going to understand. There's no way that they could have that kind of uh specialized knowledge. So to me, well and and so I should just say because of that, I have noticed um that Sometimes I think that their valuation process can be can just be wrong, right? Because they don't the way they're valuing properties is just going to be uh, there's got to be a margin of error. So um, they probably I'm sure they factored that in. They know they're they're going to miss the mark on a certain percentage of properties. Uh, but again, they're doing so much volume. That it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It seems like their risk profile is fairly low. I don't see them buying properties in weird areas. Um, they they tend to really like properties in production built neighborhoods where you can get comps very easily. And so that's what I uh, that's what I see uh, kind of happening most often. And most of the time they're buying below market value, and that allows them uh, to make a profit. But as far as how they value these properties is a little bit of an enigma to me, um, because what I here's what I think that they're doing. I think that they are looking at what a home sold for last. So let's say that you you bought your home in uh, 2015, um, and they're looking at what you bought your home for in 2015, and then I think looking at what the market has done, how the market. Um, and your meta area has has changed, has grown over the, the last seven years. And then determining basically the range of what your home should be worth based on how much appreciation has happened. Um, I don't get the impression that they are analyzing comps and doing, you know, things of that nature. In fact, one uh, large investment company specifically says that that they don't do that. Um, one of them, I'm on their website they have a, a section that discusses here's how we value their home, and they give uh, three things that they rely on. One is your inputs about your home's condition, features, and updates. I can tell you right now that's one of the least important things to them. That's more of a just kind of ensuring that the home is not like trashed, you know. Um, but they're not doing uh, a, a major assessment based on you know what kind of updates that. That you've done to the home they just want to know what does the home basically look like number two our robust data model this is where they're putting I mean I would say probably 90% of the weight is their data model and that's what I'm saying I think that they're focused not so much on on comps not so much as okay here here are all the comps in this neighborhood um, but looking at what your home was bought for and then what it could be worth now based on how the market and that area has appreciated um, and I'm sure that data model takes into account comps and all of that. Um, but but it's probably acting very similar to like Zillow's Zestimate. And that's kind of how they're they're determining the value of your home from their standpoint. Um, and then number three, they said our team of local pricing experts. Well, as I already said, I, I really don't know what that entails. You know, that sounds really good. Uh, but. Um, I, I have never seen any local experts or I've never talked to any local experts from any of these companies, despite having interacted with the companies multiple times. So I'm not exactly sure what to what to make of that. Um, and, and also, it's important to say, like, there's a few things here. The order that they put these that they put those in, those three things is important. You know, uh, from a marketing standpoint, the first thing that they put is your input. Um, they want to make it seem like you're in control that that you that your opinion has value that what you did to your house um that they that they really value that from people that i know that's interacted with these companies they haven't felt that way they haven't felt like their what they did or that their opinion was very valued um that might vary from one person to the next um but that's just what i've heard uh generally speaking um we also don't know like Again, how much weight is given to any of those things? Um, again, my opinion is that the data model is 95 percent of it um, that probably the local pricing experts is almost none of it um, and that as far as the um, as far as the aspect of you providing input, I think that that's and and kind of showing off the house and whatnot. I think that that basically just kind of sets a baseline for what condition your your home is in so that they can, Then basically say you know maybe on a scale of one to ten here's what condition the home is in uh, in comparison to the rest of the market in that general area. So that's just that's just what I think. Um, So what does that all mean? Like how would that work Uh, practically speaking? So let's say that you bought your house uh, for two hundred thousand dollars in 2019, and large investment company A. Uh, determines that your home has gone up by roughly 50% in value since that time, meaning that it's now worth $300,000. But it probably needs, you know, on average, it looks like it's in pretty good shape. Probably needs some paint. Probably needs some some touch-up. You know, ultimately, maybe like $15,000 worth of work just to get it up to snuff, um, clean it up, all of that. So, what do they do? So, so you bought it for $200,000. It needs $15,000 in repair, and the after-repair value that they're determining is around $300,000. They might offer you $250,000. They can see all of this. They can see, okay, this is a lot more than they paid for it, and and we can offer them a quick closing, smooth transaction. They get $50,000 more than they paid for it. Also, they have some equity even in addition to that since they bought it. They might not realize oh, if we just did a, a, a little bit of touch-up, we could sell this thing for for, 30, for sorry $300,000. Um, then, and then they convince customers to sell that way, and then they relist the home, and then uh, they make a profit at the, at the end of the day. Now, some of them also will do this thing where they, where they charge you some extra fees as well, some closing costs and things like that. Since there aren't realtors involved, they'll say, you know, hey, you would normally have to pay 6% for realtors. We don't do that, but we do charge a a two or three percent fee as well. So in some cases, they're doing that too in order to help themselves out. It really just depends. I've heard different things from different large investment companies. Now, I mentioned this, I alluded to this before, but I met with someone this past week that was reached out to by one such. Large investment company uh, via mail, Um, and this person contacted this company to see what they would offer them on the house. And the large investment company, um, this is kind of an interesting detail, and this is what makes me even more so think that uh, that they're not that they're just basing things on what the market is doing, not so much on that house specifically in comparison to other houses or or what we would call comps, comparable properties, uh, comparable sales. Um, so they had in their system that this house was 1,100 square feet, uh, when in reality, it was actually three times that size. Um, and so the initial offer, the, the initial number that the large investment companies sent them seemed a little low, but they were just like, well, um, they being uh, the person who owned the house, um, they were just like, well, I mean, the home is three times the size of what their, their system thought it was. So for sure, that value is likely to come up. So, you know, they corrected that data. They put that it was, you know, 3,400, 3, 32, 3,400 square feet. They fixed that. Um, then they showed them the different updates that they had done to the house. Large investment company told them, okay, we got to run our numbers, get back with you. After a few days, they did. And they came back with the exact same price that they had initially offered. So the fact that the house was actually three times the size of what their system originally had did not matter at all. It did not matter. And the simple reason why I think it didn't was because they were just looking at the fact that they had bought this house a few number of years ago for this amount. And here is how much the market has appreciated since then. So here is likely what the house is worth. Here's what we need to buy it for. In order for our numbers to work, boom. Then, and needless to say, they didn't sell to uh, to this large investment company uh, because it wasn't enough money. They consulted with me. I told them the house was worth a lot more, um, which it is. And now they're potentially listing it, and and that's there's still a lot that that needs to be determined from all of that. Um, however, as I have. Uh, kind of alluded to before the value, this valuation model that that these large investment companies use can mean that they will sometimes purchase homes close to retail value. Um, The way I know this is that sometimes I will see one of their homes that has just been on the market for a really long time. And I'll pull it up and just and see, you know, okay, there's been a couple of price reductions. And I, I might have a client that's like, hey, I've seen this house has been on the market for a while. Do you think that they'll come way down on the price? You know, maybe it started at like $300,000 and, and now they've reduced the price to 275000 And then um, I'll have a client that's like, hey, do you think that they might take a low ball like two forty? And so I'll pull it up and look at the history and see what they bought it for. And what I'll see in those instances sometimes is that they they might have bought that house that they have listed for two hundred seventy five thousand and it's not selling at that price point that that they actually bought it for like two hundred fifty thousand and I'm looking at this and I'm like, well two hundred fifty thousand is pretty close to what that house uh, in this market should be worth, um, and so again that's just an error in their uh, in their data model that obviously they have an acceptable. Uh, a, a number of those that happens where they where they end up paying too much and then they end up not being able to sell the sell the house and make any profit. Um, that being said,, um, I think that again, generally speaking, uh, they are making a profit, but it I have found it very interesting that usually their homes linger on the market a lot longer than other homes do and and probably, a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's difficult. It, honestly, my perspective as a realtor, when I have had to, to communicate with these with these large investment companies and, and their brokerages, it can sometimes be extremely difficult because, again, I'm not talking to a local person. They oftentimes will have their own uh, scheduling software for scheduling showings, that, and they will uh, give you a, a code that is, um, only has a certain amount of time that it works for. So if you're running late at all, then you have to request a new one. That can take several minutes. I've had one time they gave me a code that didn't work. So then I was there with my client trying to get that resolved. Um, and it's just, and, and I, I've seen, I've been in some of them where, you know, they, I, we walk in and it's like, okay, this place needs quite a bit of work. And again, I don't know who the local experts were that were assisting them with with getting a home ready for market. But it's like this home needs twenty five, thirty thousand dollars worth of work, um, and the large investment company might not even realize that they might have been sold, uh, you know, uh, a bad bill of goods by some contractor that a home was was ready to get on the market uh, when it really wasn't. So for a lot of reasons, I have noticed that their homes for several of these companies tend to uh, stay on the market longer than others uh for me if i have a client that wants to look at any of these properties you know i will always just warn them hey just so you know this is being sold by a large investment company that cranks out a lot of volume of these I, there's been some challenging experiences with some of them you should just know that up front because a lot of people don't want to li- don't want to purchase a flipped house um and so i try to get out in front of that uh with my clients just to just to make sure because just a general rule of thumb is that house flips whether done by big companies or small ones they frequently have issues and that's simply because and i've talked about this on past episodes but it's because a house flipper is looking to make money they will oftentimes cut corners focus on cosmetic updates put lipstick on the pig rather than fix actual issues and to a savvy buyer or a savvy buyer's agent they, they will notice those issues. They'll see, oh, the crawl space uh, is, has a lot of moisture apparent in there. There's no vapor barrier. It looks like some things were ignored. The AC is really old. Um, all of these types of things. People that are savvy will notice that, but a lot of first-time home buyers and, and a lot of agents that have only been in real estate for a few months or a few years um, they won't know to, uh, to look for that kind of stuff. And they'll get blindsided in the middle of, of, the, um, of the transaction after they've gone under contract. They'll get blindsided by an inspection report that they thought was going to be clean, but has a bunch of things on it that are wrong. Um, and so um, these types of homes also have a high uh, contract falling through percentage. A lot of contracts fall through on these large investment company homes. Um, and so in the end, these large investment companies have really taken off in recent years with, with flipping houses. But I'm really curious, as the market is shifting, if they will be able to adapt. Like I said before, Zillow couldn't make it. They they tried it and they failed. And it was really easy when, when homes were appreciating by 1% to 2% per month when you didn't do anything to them. Really easy to flip homes. Um, but what's going to happen when that appreciation rate really slows down. And and as we've been talking on this podcast, I really anticipate that it will slow down. Already, local house flippers that I know, um, are they're saying, hey, we're adapting, we're changing our strategy. Will these big companies be able to adapt when they're not relying heavily on local people, when they're not relying heavily on local experts? It will be really fascinating to see. And I'll, I'll certainly be monitoring that closely, to see what happens. And we'll see if the FTC keeps finding them that that's an interesting, uh, an interesting data point as well. Well, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all of my listeners. And I appreciate if all of you could make sure you subscribe, rate and review the show. Excuse me, lost my voice there for a second. Subscribe, leave a five star rating, leave a short little review. If you need me, all my contact information is in the show notes. And we will talk again next time.